From the heart of Nebraska's capital city, this is the Nebraska Family Alliance Report. Here's your host, Nate Graz. What would it look like to see a state and nation where God is honored, families thrive, life is cherished, and freedom flourishes? I'm Nate Graz, Policy Director for Nebraska Family Alliance, and we are excited to be bringing you the Nebraska Family Alliance Report, where each week we cover the biggest news impacting family, freedom, and life from a biblical perspective and contend for the truth in law, policy, and the public square. You might be familiar with a famous saying, never talk about religion or politics in polite company. Well, today we are going to talk about both of those things with a special guest, although I consider him to be the most polite company. I'm honored to be joined now by someone who has truly served our state with remarkable distinction and excellence, former Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson. Doug, thank you so much for being with us. You bet, Nate. Thanks for asking. Well, as Attorney General, you were the chief legal officer for the state of Nebraska, tasked with, among other things, upholding and defending the Constitution and laws of the state of Nebraska. But I also know that on top of dealing with complex legal matters, you also had to protect public health and safety and confront what could only be described as evil really head on and prosecute crimes like child abuse and human trafficking. There's so much that goes into the office of attorney general. Doug, as you look back on your time in office, what are some of the biggest lessons or takeaways that you learned or carry with you today after serving as attorney general? I served two terms in eight years, decided not to seek a third. It's one of the most interesting opportunities of public service, I think, that I can imagine in the fact that as chief law enforcement officer, you're responsible for criminal issues. So we handled a lot of uh, significant murder cases that occurred during those eight years and, and took those to prosecution. I actually found some of the criminal uh, prosecution work to be some of the most rewarding and then also being able to get the legislation passed in human trafficking which is just a very interesting, a lot of these topics are not actually very political, Republican or Democrat. Uh, They're just public policy issues that matter for the public safety. And so those were, uh, I really enjoyed the work with the law enforcement officers. I was uh, impressed with the prosecution skills of our lawyers in the office and uh, found that a really key role to what the attorney general's office does. Uh, And then the second area was just with regards to a broader, um, the AG world. When I was in the AG's office in 88, 89, 90, I worked under Bob Spire, uh, who as an attorney general was a great model of being a lawyer, not a politician, but being a lawyer and leading the office. What the AG's office looked like then compared to 40 years later, uh, 30 years later, I mean, much more engaged on the national issues, on the constitutional questions of uh, separation of power and things of that nature. So uh, it's just a fascinating job from um, some of the smallest consumer protection issues to uh, significant murder cases to antitrust cases against Google to um, Biden v. Nebraska on the student loans. As a lawyer and as an opportunity to serve the state, it's It's really very, very uh, 
rewarding. It was really a great opportunity. Well, I know that we were incredibly fortunate to not only have someone with your legal background and expertise serving as attorney general, but also your your character and uh, your your faith. And you know, I think one of the things we're really seeing across the country is that politics, and you kind of touched on this, you know, politics has almost become a, a dirty word and everything has just become so political, even issues that aren't inherently about left versus right or Republican versus Democrat, but really are just right versus wrong. And I mm-hmm. think one of the concerning trends that we're seeing is particularly sometimes Christian leaders intentionally avoiding any discussion or, or, or bringing up any topic or issue that someone might consider to be controversial or political. So from your perspective, what is the importance or proper level of engagement, particularly for people of faith when we're talking about government or issues that get thrown into the political arena? You know, I think for those who are thinking about public service and how that, with their faith, how those incorporate with one another. I think you really have to be very prayerful in in seeking counsel about that, because if you feel that God has actually called you to step into the the role of serving on a school board or city council or in a state office, uh, then what you do understand is, I think, on a daily basis, you have to be surrendered to that service and always keep yourself out of it because i think when you do bring yourself or you worry about political future things like that you will start fearing the opinion of man particularly in the office of attorney general you have your ethical duties to understand okay we're gonna we're gonna pursue this case uh and this may create uh you know a lot of uh, disruption uh, by citizens who don't think it's appropriate. A good example would be uh, when we uh, were part of the DACA lawsuit and about uh, whether or not uh, these children that are now some of them adults and whether President Obama could add language to the law, which is a uniquely legislative role. I empathized with these people placed in that situation, but it was more important that instead of having the executive branch expand the language of a law that's outside their lane, that's a legislative responsibility. We have to keep both, all three, uh, the executive, legislative, and judicial within their constitutional authorities. So that one, I remember when we joined that, there was, uh, I got a lot of criticism because I wasn't, I didn't care about uh, these children who were placed in difficult situations with their parents. And that's one of those deals where you go, well, I'm not, I'm not here to please. That's not my audience. My audiences do, do the right thing under the law. And so I would just encourage anyone, if they're thinking about running for public office, you know, really have people close to you uh, speak into it to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Because if you go into it for some self-purpose, uh, then you're going to be placed in a difficult position where you're going to care about their ultimate opinion. I mean, it's not to say you don't care about their opinion, but you have to be guided by the principles that are beyond popularity and things of that nature. And so that actually made the job much easier for me because there there are a few decisions that I knew, no matter how hard I tried to explain it, 
they weren't going to understand. I oftentimes so uh, thought of the scripture that said, "For they love the approval of man rather than God," and how you really have to watch out for that. And I've seen some good people that I worked with in the AG world who got kind of sucked up into that vortex, and it was. It's a sad thing to watch. Well, I, I think you've identified something really important, and that is the fear of man versus the, the fear of God and, and what mm-hmm. is driving us and our motivations and whether or not we speak out or step into a certain issue or, or a certain case. And I, I know for you, Doug, that uh, your your faith is so central to who you are. How, how were you able to really stay grounded and rely on the truth of Scripture rather than what was popular at the moment or what the media would find acceptable? Well, you know, one is <laughs> stay in the Scripture on a daily basis. Proverbs was never more real than when I've served serving in office and, and the words in Proverbs. You know, keep yourself spiritually healthy with fellowship and in the Word. Is, and, you know, my wife Sandy was is such an asset to me just accountability and to run thoughts off and, and things like that. So, I mean, having good people around you as, as you serve in public office. And, and yeah, I think you also, the thing that really helped me is, and I don't want this to sound proudful or anything else, but oftentimes when things would get a little bit difficult or I could knew that we we're going into a tougher issue, the only thing I cared about was honoring God and having to respect my wife and my kids. Didn't care about anybody else. Didn't care how the media, you know, addressed it. That was the only thing that mattered. Well, those are the things that that matter at the end of the day. And uh, you know, I think when we look across the country, there's a need, a, a deep need for that understanding that it's not about what's what's popular or what's going to get the most likes or traction on social media, but it's what it you know what what does my family uh, think? What what does God think? Most of all. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the last question that, that I wanted to, to bring up that we've kind of talked about here a little bit is, is that particularly, I think, for the younger generations, uh, there's a, a growing tendency to separate our faith and scripture from how we understand and think about current events or issues that are being debated uh, in, in government. How can we start helping people, particularly those uh, who are growing up in a very different time today with 24-7 news uh, and just endless uh, streams of information at our fingertips? How can we help them uh, to really formulate a biblical worldview and understand what that means to carry a biblical worldview into government and politics? Yeah, I think that is so key because I don't think we fully appreciate today the type of influences caused by social media and other, uh, our own schools, you know, our public schools uh, and universities of the type of monolithic thought and the lack of critical thinking and the focus on emotion as opposed to really good, critical, thoughtful analysis. And I, I just think we have to understand and it's not simplistic thinking. I think they're falling into simplistic thinking uh, in so many different ways, guided by feelings, and to step back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. But the fact of the matter is, we have to, if we're making public policy, we need to get people to think more deeply about what makes sense and whether it's supported by the science. And then even beyond that, just worldview. I mean, what we're seeing with regards to 
the uh, Palestinian the the, the uh, attacks on October seventh, and how weak. When the curtain is pulled back, we find out how intellectually weak so many of our campuses are when we see them out protesting against Israel. And I'm thinking to some, this young lady holding up this poster that made no sense. Can I take you uh, to Iran and just have a, you spend a month in Iran and then let's come back and talk a little bit about <laughs> the movement that you're so supportive of. It's, it's, it's one in which I think really as adults we kind of need to get engaged. I know within our church uh, that we attend, there's, there's a ton of young people. I really want to start, you know, gathering with those young people and think what, you know, what is the foundation? What does the scripture say about this? And what does the world say about it? And is this conflict new or is it, is it, you know, been matter that's been, you know, you look at the Palestinian Israeli conflict and you go back to, to uh, Genesis 16 and start looking at Ishmael and Isaac. I mean, it's, it, we need to better train our minds because they're not getting that in the institutions. And I just really think we need to build out uh, the biblical confidence that a lot of these young people can look at and understand the world from that perspective. I think that's exactly right. We know that God has given us the truth and we need the courage uh, to speak it and to teach it to the next Mm -hmm. generations. And uh, again, I want to thank former Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson uh, for being with us to share his his wisdom and insight. Doug, we're incredibly uh, grateful for you and and your service to our state and uh, what you are still doing to make a difference for families in Nebraska. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it. For more information on how you can help partner with Nebraska Family Alliance to defend truth and advance family, freedom, and life, visit NebraskaFamilyAlliance.org. Thanks for listening to the Nebraska Family Alliance Report.